Sure. All right. Welcome back to the Keen Lake Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake coming live from my basement in Chicago, Illinois. Maybe Lakeview East. It's under renovations right now, so we'll see what uh, neighborhood we end up in after another renovation to my house, a.k.a. the international recording studios of Key in the Lake. But I'm without a co-host, but I'm joined by two great guys. Two guys have been on the podcast one too many times, probably. 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 That voice right there is Brett from Sagamore. How's it going? And also we have Brian from Sagamore, too, in person for the first time together. Yeah, feels great. Awesome. What brings you to Chicago? Well, I mean, things are coming back where the, you know people meet with you and talk with you. This whole concept of shaking hands again may actually come back. So yeah, coming out and uh, working with the team out here and, and uh, trying to push the brand forward. Showing This guy's showing you around. Oh, a little yeah. bit. As yeah. long as your car works. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, I'll, I'll check back in in a few hours. <laughs> Might be stuck on the highway. Hey, like I said before, good thing you were in a rental car in Texas and had that rental car just die right in front of you. You're like, oh, pulled into a spot. Good thing is at a gas station spot, and you know people in Texas—they have cables. What part of Texas? McKinney, outside ah, of Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I have a storage unit there, <laughs> full of supplies. <laughs> I have done that same tour. I didn't have a fun name like the Jump Back Jake tour, but I've I've done that tour multiple times. It, I stole it from a band that's actually called Jump Back Jake. Oh really? Oh, oh, yeah, nice. yeah. I didn't know it. It was actually a joke from like 12 years ago that some friends made up, and then I saw this band named Jump Back Jake, and I'm like, wait, how does that work out? And <laughs> it's actually of, a pretty good band. I've heard so, of less than Jake. I don't jump back. I don't Jake. think they're around anymore. They were one of those Nashville scene bands. Mm. So yeah, you know, people go there to discover music and probably lose the music too a little bit. <laughs> but no, it's great to have you both here. I'm glad that we are getting back to normal. Um, as we've been talking before we turn the mics on about normalcy coming back into play, which is nice. You know, having a handshake, being seeing people in in person and not being afraid of each other, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it also helps like now if we don't have the like the mandates going on here in Chicago and bringing much more people back into the city too. Um, which is great. Um and all around just uh more of a happier time. You see it down in other states like visiting through Texas. I'm not sure what it's out like in Maryland right now, but people are definitely ready to uh to experience life again i think yeah yeah we bumped into even last night uh while we were out uh todd leopold and uh it was just like and he's coming in and nicole's coming in for an event as well and so it was just kind of like all right like cool this <laughs> yeah is like, and by the way good to see your smile <laughs> right right you know there's so many people i actually met somebody um you know bourbon jeeper matt yeah yeah, yeah we met in person for the first time we, I walked into Whiskey Riot in Dallas, opening the door, and he's just kind of looking at me. And I'm like, I was on the phone. I'm like, why is this guy looking at me? <laughs> and he's like, Jake. I'm like, yeah. And like, oh my god. Like, oh Matt. Like, it's, we haven't met in person. We've only been talking on Instagram and Zoom for two plus years, and yeah. now I actually see you in the flesh. And that's really great to see those experiences coming into real life too. Yeah, I had dinner with him uh, last time he was in Chicago. Oh, um, nice. Out in the Grange, but, but same thing. It was like. Oh yeah, real life. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Like, you, you see how tall somebody is? You're like, oh, like you're shorter or you're taller than you th- you thought. Like, <laughs> nope. didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Mikey and, and Matt Spector too. Went to New Orleans and what was that? August or whenever the last Bourbon Fest was supposed to be, and it was like we met up in person. It was like, holy cow! Like, right. you, you can touch. Like, right. You're you're real. How's it been for you guys as a team to get back out? Um, and I saw them, the team over at Whiskey Riot in Dallas, which is great to see four or 500 people out enjoying themselves, you know, people being safe. I also feel like getting back into this all, this event was, I'm sure, many people's first festival, whiskey festival in many years, but people seem to be handling themselves better than prior go to years ago where it wasn't like a drunken activity there's people actually approaching your table and having conversation and wanting to hear about the brand and wanting to hear about what you had to say versus give me another drink (laughs) (laughs) yeah the whole whole concept of why those events are supposed to happen in the first place right right? right, like actually learn a little something about each whiskey you know (laughs) um you know for us it's it's been I think one of the most important things for us that we're starting to see again is like actually being able to bring guests back to the distillery, you know, like Mm. it was just, people weren't really traveling. You know, we, we were shut down because as far as like really outside guests coming in for quite a while in Baltimore. And it was one of these things, you know, we just couldn't risk the team getting sick and then production going down, whatever the case may be. So starting to see people come back in, visit the distillery, bringing in, you know, like key accounts and so forth to Baltimore to actually visit the place that, you know, they've been wanting to visit it, you know, probably over two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, and you know, we always say it's the best recruiting tool we have is to actually come in and, 
meet the team and see what we do every day. And so that's the most exciting thing we're seeing now. Right, right. Obviously, now you can bring people from all across the country, um, which, you know, for here was different too. Like even people just coming in to visit the city, like, well, you know, I have to go to this place next week, which is important. Do I just sacrifice that trip potentially for traveling across the country and potentially getting sick and then delaying another trip? But I think that's kind of, obviously people are still being safe. um, But at the same time, I don't want to say risking it, but definitely going out there and living life the way it used to be, which is good, great to see. I'm yeah. just happy that people are out drinking, having a good time. Even, you know, we're talking about Delilah's before. We had a beer fest there two weekends ago, and people are just out and about, like, having trying beers from all across the country and even some world beers as well. And big smile on everyone's face, you know, 20 bucks to get in and just drink beers for a free, few hours and have conversation with people, meet strangers, mingle with strangers, <laughs> everything you kind of took for granted until this whole thing shut down a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think, uh, when the weather really breaks too, man, look yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Everyone's like, Oh, I need to come to Chicago. I'm like, well, hold off until like, <laughs> it's still March. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like mid May. I never say come to Chicago until like after May 15th. You, n- you never know like, down in Texas. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, I need a Chicago trip. I'm like, Steady, steady. Stay in Texas where it's warm right now, and don't come up here where the wind can be bustling or it can be snowing like it was yesterday. Right. Yeah, between Memorial Day and Labor Day. Squeeze it in there. Right, right. You should be okay. Go to a Cubs... Oh, wait. Yeah, there is no that. there's no baseball anymore. Depending on when you release this. <laughs> it's, coming out, it's coming out tomorrow, Brett. <laughs> yeah, Brett, how are you going to survive without baseball? I don't know. It probably should be good for my pocketbook. There you um, go. But uh, there's minor leagues, so there should be plenty of other... Oh, yeah. Independent ball and some other things to, to go and find and, and to dive into. Uh, the Boomers in Schaumburg, where I used to work when mm. they were the Flyers. And my brother and mother and sister, I guess, all live right there. So we'll do that. And uh, I think the Cougars are independent again. And it looks like that team in Grand Rapids is going to be independent. So there there will be baseball to be had. And mm-hmm. uh, generally cheaper tickets and less of a commute and um, cheaper beer. So cheaper be beer. Oh, well, <laughs> it wow. actually works what out a, for What me. a win. I was like, I've never heard of those teams that are cheap, che- cheaper yeah. beer. I was yeah. like, I could go. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Oh. oh, the team in Grand Rapids is great. Cause what, what's their bells? Is that oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. I thought the name of the team. Like, no, no, know. Bell's the brewery, and they have their own little like cave, and it's like oh, thirty-two cool. ounce beers, and it's like six bucks, and it's flavors you've never heard of. And, oh, you know, like thirty cool. different taps, and it's just like, how is this in a ball game? And then it's you realize the brewery's right there. Um, it's like it's like walking fun. into a distillery and tapping through some keg or tapping through some barrels. Yeah, trying some new things. Yeah, it uh, we'll be okay. So yeah, how's it? Uh, how's everything changing for you the last couple of months? Um, just starting to, to travel a little bit more, see the team a little bit more, try mm-hmm. to, try to get the team, you know, trying to get the whole team together, but just did the Houston rodeo, uh, the week before you were in Texas. That's right. Yeah. Um, we, you know, even last night, just seeing people you've met before, but without a mask on and, you know, debating with Jessica, like, is that, is that her? Is that, oh yeah. Like, yeah. I think, is that her? That must be her. Right. Like, but you know, you haven't seen these people. You've seen them five or six times, but never without a mask on. So that's a good point. Just getting out and, and, um, there's places to go again and you're it's not weird like you, you know there was a little while there where you'd go places but you kind of felt maybe you shouldn't be there or mm-hmm. you weren't sure but it was your job and uh but that or you're outside trying to suffer through the cold to support an account <laughs> and it's like is this worth it for anybody yeah that bar stool time was really precious and very you know expensive to take up if you're there visiting an account right. just to try to sell in when you only have half capacity or whatever it was back in the day um during through covid and you didn't want to be that rep that was Taking up someone's time at the wrong time, pretty right. much. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, events are coming back. So trying to decipher through that, what makes sense to participate in, you know, what doesn't, what, what's new, what, what, what's gone away, how's it changed. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the, I think the biggest piece, not to get too industry, but is when the distributors start to open up. I mean, work with or follow alongs have been, have been back for some of them, but yeah. you know, we're a team that likes to blitz and then get out in the field and, and do our share of the lifting and, it's been two plus years since you've done an in-person GSM or, you know, a, a blitz and, and come in there for that month or that a week and just crush that month and then yeah. let the brand do its job. So kind of waiting for that. I've heard rumors certain states are going to open mm-hmm. up sooner than others, but that'll be a good you know, to me. That'll be back to, you know, gas on foot on the gas and, and getting some things done that, that we've done before and been doing this for you know, 21 years. Yeah, <laughs> the right. last two have been a no, lot of what I've known throwing out the window. Important variables that we use to actually sell our whiskey and develop yeah. a brand. And kind of getting back on that, I always hear people, good feedback is we t- say all these industry terms, but no one knows what we're talking about, like oh. GSM or That's like right. a work yeah. with or a follow right. with, you know. So I try to like go back now a little bit and explain it because 
people do want to know what we do, how how we actually sell the whiskey, not just how it just shows up on the shelf and it's there for them to drink. But yeah, it's like a GSM is a general sales meeting and we actually meet with our distributors who, you know, distribute our alcohol out throughout the States and tell them about the brand, tell them what's going on, tell them the complexities of everything. And you actually get to sit in a room with 20 people, 30 mm-hmm. people, which I did my first one live in Tennessee, like three weeks ago. You're like, oh, wow, we can do this again. Oh, it's nice. great, it's oh, great to be back in congrats. person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It was, it was strange. My boss did the whole thing pretty much. And he's like, that was weird, but great. And that's how everyone felt too, you know. And I think they've done them a little bit longer. Um, but brands like us who just don't have, you know, our team's pretty small. You can't just travel to go do a GSM in person all the time, even if you've been open and available to do that. But um, yeah, it's great to be face to face. You feel like people retain a little bit more of the information, sipping the whiskey while a founder or ambassador or president's in the room, like kind of have more appreciation for the brand. I think when you're face to face with people like that and then work with is actually going in a car with somebody from your distributor and visiting accounts all day and running in and out of bars and restaurants and off premise retailers. And you hope that at some point you, you're bringing some cases in, you seem like you get the most work done. And even if a day of you know, you sell a couple bottles of whiskey. You always appreciate that face-to-face time and that handshake with that person who's in charge of either buying the alcohol or a bartender who's, you know, working five days a week during during busy hours of the time of the restaurant and actually can be, able, be there available to talk about your brand when you're not. Yeah, and then, I mean, blitzes are when you bring a bunch of people to the market and, and, and work with the distributor for a dedicated three or four days and you build some events about that and with brands like ours, you know, we're, we're some larger distributors and, and they give us attention. But when they give us the attention, it's not as often as, as a bigger brand. Right. Um, so you really want to execute it. And those are really important for brands like us because we can come in and do two months worth of work in a week. Yeah. And then also <laughs> then then the local person from our team can then build off of that or the, right. you know, and you, you get you plant some seeds and things will grow. Um, so losing those is, has really been impactful. And I'm excited to get some of those back because. They make a big difference yeah. when, when, you know, it's, it's, be, you, you kind of go all in for that week and with incentives and time and, and resources, and, but the results are there much longer afterwards. So hopefully those come back and yeah, that'll change uh, my H2 plans quite a bit. Amazing how giving somebody a pin, a bartender, a pin in person with a distributor rep feels more, more weight to it, I guess. Yeah. So it's, they have a bigger smile on their <laughs> face or it has some last, more lasting meaning to it behind it once you, once you actually leave the account. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you, you get a lot of these things too, where they're just like, you know, I've always wanted to ask, I was curious about this, Yeah. you know, and it, you, until you go meet them and sit down with them, you, they're never going to be able to ask that question. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's nice to be able to answer those questions for them. Yeah. I had a distributor rep actually text me yesterday from a pretty big distributor in Florida. Like, Hey, how do you um, guys do your malting process? I'm like, wow. all right. Like, you know, like that, that work with that ride along, you know, two weeks ago was huge. Because they obviously are retaining something, and they remember you. And you're like, I don't have, don't want to call anybody out, but like local reps here in Chicago, I never, ever even heard from. You know, and that way, like, you see somebody in person, you flew down there. Yeah, it costs money, but at the same time, it's why your brand is going to be building. Yeah, hundred percent. I know we were all trying to build our brand online for a couple of years, but um, I don't know if it's. I, I, I honestly thought it would stick a little bit harder, but I see it kind of diminishing quicker than I thought it would. I'm with you on that. I like, uh, you know, I was like, no, well, this is really going to stay. And I, I kind of think if, and I don't know if I can say COVID's over or not, but I right. feel like if it, it's official, it, you just said it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it here first. Yeah. Did you guys hear? I can see CNN now. Did you hear on this podcast? Oh. Um, but uh, it's one of those things. I think if it just felt like we were a year into it, it was stuck, and then I think people just kind of got its fatigue. Yeah, it's that it's that screen fatigue, and it's just one of these things. Like, and and there is just something that you you don't get certain energy through a no. computer screen. And there is just something about that in person, that energy, like like you said, like you can kind of just there, you feel a little bit more connected. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you're in person compared to just the screen, it worked. It was like this is cool. We're not just dead in the water, just sitting in our living rooms, wondering the world's ending. Um, but I mean, God, two years. Yeah, yeah. And I know we both of our brands tried real hard doing it. We were yeah. out there, and both of you guys um, turned. Instagram every night and Brett was on some Brett live. was killing it Brett yeah. like he was the hardest work guy at Sagamore when it came to virtual events and no, I mean he was amazing yeah we were kind of like in the same I guess clubhouse of friends if yeah. you will and we'd always see each other and it was great we met friends you know like Mikey and Matt you were talking about I still haven't met them and I was DMing one of them the other day I'm like 
it's so weird that we've never met in person, but we like know each other's personal lives, like check in with each other, like, hey, how you doing? Like, everything going good? Like, blah, blah, blah. How's the wife and kids? You know? Right. Never uh, met him in person, but you can say, like, good friend of mine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that's how I came up the other day. I'm like, oh, a good friend of mine in New Orleans. A friend that I'm really good with on Friends Online or something. If we had MySpace, they'd be my top six. <laughs> but it is. You know, we tried real hard. And I'm just, there's still remnants of it. Like, I have a virtual tasting this Thursday with a club. And it just I'm not doing them every night. Or you're not yeah. doing two in a day. Or you're not staying up on a Saturday night at 8 p.m. to do one instead of, like, hanging out with your significant other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. We're like, no, i got to do this. It's really important. It's how we sell whiskey now. This is how the brand gets yeah. uh, gets out there. Put a roof over our heads. But now you kind of take a step back, and there's a lot of fatigue to it. I know I personally have. Just stepping back in social media in general. Mm-hmm. Like, posting, definitely not doing lives. Um, just less time spent on your phone, too. Like, yeah. It's just, like, I want to be with the people around me. Yeah. And hopefully that's, I think there's a way of salvaging it where it can be a component to our industry. But like we had a lot of conversations about this new online premise, if we could kind of give it that term, but it, it right away, as soon as I could go back into accounts and, you know, bars are now opening up more days a week versus just, you know, some of them, but there's more leverage there, um, with the actually being in person. So I'm not sure how much longer the online or how important the online part uh, portal will play into all this, but I think it's something that we shouldn't just forget about though completely. Are yeah. you guys kind of maintaining it in some way? Yeah, I think and you probably see this a little bit being um, with some international distribution. Yeah, um, you know, I I'm not going to the Philippines anytime soon, and so or the UK or something like that. So right. it it still plays a good role there for us. Um, that's for sure. But I, other than that, I feel like I haven't done one in a while, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and it's like, I I mean, at one point it was very cool. It was like, I literally in like three days, I did like 7am, which is, you know, 7pm in in Manila, like tasting, like (laughs) online presentation. And then that afternoon I did something with like, uh, a whiskey club in, no, no, it was, a, it was a GSM, a general sales meeting for Ohio kickoff. And then I think the that night did something in Michigan, and then the following day did something in the UK at like 3 in the afternoon. And I was like, wow, and I didn't leave my living room. Right, I right, thought right. that was like, well, this is so cool, Pretty and I didn't efficient. spend a dime, right? Yeah, yeah. And then this week it's uh, Chicago, Texas, followed by the next week New Orleans, Vegas, uh, 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 California. I'm kind of like, I'm good with that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta be there and actually see yeah, like, see the culture of the city. Yeah, yeah, and see the culture of the people and meet yeah. the people you're actually hanging out with. Yep, I, th- I think where like the hybrid come in is how we were talking about World Whiskey Day before you turn the mics on, where you can reach people all throughout the country and world on a special occasion. Yeah, yeah. Instead of actually doing it every single night in your basement, <laughs> wherever it may be, your chosen part of your house. Where that way, you know, like you can get brands all across out. Like last year, we did this World Whiskey Day tasting with six brands and gave everybody a one ounce sample of six different brands and then talked to people from multiple distilleries yeah. all throughout the day. I think that's where you can kind of leverage this in here and reach people. Like we were doing a virtual tasting with one of our single barrel accounts and like, you know, people come to Chicago. They're going to start coming to Chicago this summer. And that way, like if they want to come up to the account and say hi, they know there's a good whiskey selection at that account and there's a bottle of Star Wars they can buy there too if they really enjoyed the tasting after that. Yeah. I think that's where we can kind of mesh it into this industry right now. But sitting at home, I I did it one day. We're just working with some whiskey clubs all day, um, emailing. I had like a Zoom call with one of them, a tasting at night. And you got a lot done in an eight-hour, nine-hour span, but you feel like you could probably get more done or be more effective when you're actually out on the road visiting accounts at the same time and, you know, meeting with those people in person. So. It's important, but it was, you know, so it was important to be online too um, over the last couple of years. Yeah. I don't know. Brett, what do you think? How do you think it's going to change over now the next few months when we're kind of back to full uh, as it used to be? I think, I, I think appointments, you know, plan, like you said, an event or a release or, you know, it's not going to be that, Hey, I'll hop in or I'm just watching and, <laughs> and they invite me in. So you're next thing you know, you're in a live four days in a row, just kind of, cause everybody's yeah, that's what we're doing because there's nowhere else to go or nothing else to do. Right. So I think there'll they'll, they'll still be a space and there'll be a way to work, you know, use the technology to have an in-person event, but maybe let people chime in, you know, plug into a screen so people can watch via Teams or Zoom or something and be a part of it without having having to go out. Um, mm. I'm curious about the some of the newer people to the industry that really got into it um, from a from an influencer or fan that kind of started drink over COVID. Yeah, or yeah. really dove a little bit deeper and connected with us or other brands. Um, 
that that did it all. You know, they're two years into it, three years into it. Maybe they had a bottle here or a bottle there, and they'd go out and, and have a whiskey here or there. But now they've got a hundred bottles, and and they've joined your live, and then my live, and they've mm. hosted lives, and and have connected with. You know, it's a great community. But yeah, what happens now is we're not in that space because we're in a bar, or we're in a store, or we're on a plane, and, and that space kind of spreads out a little bit more. Where I'm curious to see how they evolve and, and where they go and what they grow into and if if they go back to pre-COVID and and they they lose a little bit of the enthusiasm or do some of them gear onto it and 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 really get and, and keep that space active and keep mm-hmm. it going. Because um, you don't want to forget the community that supported us over these exactly. last couple of years. And like you said, yeah. I mean, they feel like and friends. Gen- and I genuinely mean that. Like there's yeah, certain 100%. people where you're like, I still want to reach if I can reach you like on at least a weekly basis somehow. Let's figure that out all day long. Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm 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 very curious to see where it goes and how it grows and how it, you know, those people now make it to events where maybe they yeah. never. I wouldn't go to whiskey tasting. I, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't really like whiskey tastings. Now they're like, hey, I'm going to actually go to Bourbon Fest or I'm going to plan a trip to to Indie Spirits or Whiskey Week. That's interesting. Like that be, could be cool where someone's like, hey, I live in Kansas City. We don't really have whiskey festivals here. Someone would fly to New Orleans for the weekend, go to Bourbon Fest. Maybe that will happen with people kind of traveling more, making like whiskey vacations out of it instead of just going to Kentucky. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think people are ready to branch out outside of just Kentucky, and they're starting to realize like there's a lot of good oh, distilleries yeah. throughout this country. Oh yeah, and and a lot of good events throughout this country, mm-hmm. right? And I think we'll continue to get out there, um, and it, it is exciting. Yeah, I think for sure. I think a lot of people have done the Bourbon Trail, and, and maybe once or twice, that now realize mm-hmm. they've connected with with different brands. Like you know what? Wait, if we go to the Mid Atlantic, we can see right. Old Line, Sagamore. Baltimore whiskey, you know, there's a bunch to do on 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 a, its own version of a trail. Mm-hmm. With it's a whiskey rebellion trail. Yeah, whiskey rebellion it goes trail from uh, Virginia all the way up through New York. Oh, yeah. So basically, like, uh, I mean, there's so many distilleries on that, and they kind of break it up in pockets. Like, you want to do the Philadelphia area? Do huh. you want to do the Baltimore area? Do you want to do the Pittsburgh area? Do you want? And it's like yeah. they can put like these like they have like these little segments of the trail too, where it's like if you're going to be in this region, here's ten you can go. Yeah. No, and that's how we have like Malt Row in Chicago, or yeah. you know, what seven, eight breweries, and now one distillery, I guess, technically along there, or just one distillery there. But people are like, you wait, there's like a place you can just walk to breweries. I'm like, well, this town, yeah, you can throw a rock and hit, <laughs> yeah. hit a brewery, but it is a great experience to have there. And I think it kind of goes back to what's more important. The other day, I was in Texas doing a work with, I had a uh, virtual tasting scheduled for seven o'clock at night. I'm like, I might be able to get there. It might be like a half an hour late. I'll let the guys know. And then my reps are like, Hey, we have two accounts that kind of like added on last minute, but they're really good. Love whiskey. One of the best whiskey bars in the city. End up postponing the, the tasting till a week later. Went to those two accounts and sold, you know, into those two accounts with two different whiskeys. You're like, my boss would never be mad at me for, you yeah. know, canceling a tasting with a group. I've already done a tasting with in the past. You know, just kind of going back out there. Maybe they'll buy like a half a single barrel in the future. Maybe not. Nothing's guaranteed there, but you're also in in a town visiting for a reason. And then you're out a couple hours later than you thought you were, but you came away with like five bottles at the end of the day sold into accounts. And one of them's a very precious whiskey bar account. I think that means, unfortunately, that means a little bit more than spending time online. Yeah. I mean, it's great your distributor, you know, got you those two extra appointments out of nowhere right right, right. um and so yeah you you can't be like i invested in this plane ticket here hotel room yeah, and everything yeah, and be like no. uh i need to bow out of those those extra accounts that you went out of your way yeah. to get me and they're you know they're really Do good you for know my brand the price of rental cars these days oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, gas no <laughs> yeah that's a whole different story we'll, we'll stay out of that topic but um yeah it's 100 you're like that's what we're here for like that's what the investment is for this trip is to actually meet with accounts and meet with buyers and when you can do that, especially when I think like your last meeting was like eight thirty night on a Thursday at a pretty busy wow. bar, but the buyer's like, "Hey, you're in town. I'll come. I'll hang out with you. Try your whiskey." He's like, "I've had it once before. Liked it then. Probably like it again." <laughs> so, yeah, you jump on that. Yeah, yeah. And they had uh, he got one of the oh, is it what was the Yamazaki that was super like fifty five years old? Oh, wow. No. I think I think it was Yamazaki that did it. Yeah, it sounds that sounds. Right. Yeah, there's only like if you bought like the guy delivered an armored car. Oh my god! <laughs> I believe it. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Like, he has one of those. When I heard he had one of those bottles. I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty serious. Like eight hundred dollar, eight hundred bottle collection behind the back bar. So, oh yeah, that's yeah. legit. Like, yeah, and like, and not not trying to diminish the people that were on that Zoom at all, but you know, like duty calls in a way. Yeah, no, you can't. You, 
you want to be you have to be in that bar mm-hmm. like you have to have a presence there you know and, you, and then if, if you don't jump on it you may never get in or it could be years before you get that chance again absolutely yeah yeah because you don't know when you're gonna get down to get back down to texas from chicago or you know what might happen in the world in between then and now <laughs> and i got with somebody who was definitely really fighting for that online space it became part of my role as you know with my I'm not making millions of dollars in this podcast and working for a distillery full time. Uh, <laughs> was about like reaching out to whiskey clubs, doing the virtual tastings, and you know just being an online presence. But then it took over so much of your life because you're sitting there, you know, at nine o'clock in the before that, eight o'clock in the morning, responding to messages, planning out your day, um, and you just feel like you're on Instagram and Facebook all day long. Mm-hmm. But I would, I was like, no, we, we we can build a brand through this. Like it can replace the bars for now until the bars are back open and fully operational. And like literally when I got the green light to go like go see bars and you can go into a bar on a Tuesday afternoon now again and sit down and meet with a buyer and just pop in you're like, ah, yeah, nothing replaces this. No, it's just uh, it's it's been the way that whiskey's been sold for a long time. And we thought we could change it like a lot of our friends and like, well, well, we'll do our best. And I think we tried really hard and it was very appropriate for the time and what we could do and what was available to us. But now it's uh, kind of time to get back to work i guess the old school way well, and what it really leveled the playing field because in what's yeah. a phone two by six inches two by four inches three by four whatever it Great is point. but whether you're some huge huge brand or some tiny tiny brand through the scope of someone's phone and in their dms or in the instagram feed we're kind of all the same size mm-hmm. like and there's the big, not all that PR or that POS or the, the the call the guy next to you ordered it and it's a huge brand so oh yeah i like that too i'll try it there was mm-hmm. there was opportunity to outwork the next guy and the and, big brands are definitely borrowing from us yeah now yeah then all of a sudden they, they they i think they invested pretty heavily in e-com and then all of a sudden saw, saw the the human element to it and, and have borrowed is a good word for it <laughs> yeah, yeah um and it just as we're gonna outwork them on, in the field because we have to because you're building a brand as opposed to keeping one going yeah but it really yourself I, I think us a few other people got on it quick because a it was fun it was, it was something yeah. to do but it also <laughs> it was, it was like do. wait a minute i can hustle here and win and like yeah. and and grow this brand and yeah. and I, we all have great juice but how do we get it in it was you know the effort like you were sending out kits and getting people mm-hmm. these samples like it was a really great way to, to to level it was a level playing field that we attacked hard and when you have good juice and a good brand, it, it really, I think, helped out long term. Especially and, when you saw like a buyer from a store or an owner mm-hmm. of a store be like, what did you do? Because I just sold like 10 balls of Sagamore. I sold 10 balls of Star Wars. Like, oh, I did a tasting and told them yep. to go here. You know, yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, thanks. You know, and that, that was the whole point of it, too. If you're going to do like a virtual tasting, our whole, our whole platform was be attached to a retailer. Like, you know, you, you do a discount, whatever it may be. Or is someone who will be willing to ship across the country, you know, take those <laughs> into their own hands, those problems. <laughs> but that was always about it. Like, how can we get the ROI right away after that hour, hour and a half virtual tasting? Yeah, versus like, uh, I really would like to buy your whiskey. Where I, I can't get it. Right. Like, it's just like, that's just a waste of everyone's time, right? Right, right, right. Um, no, that's smart to be attached to a retailer. Yeah, I mean, but now we can just uh, hopefully start doing in-store, ta- more in-store tastings too. Some of our big t- bigger retailers. Yep. I'm curious, like six months from now, though, like you're going to walk into a, to a bar, sit down, and someone's going to be drinking Starwood. We walked into a bar last night, and, and the bottle of Sagamore was down. And it's mm-hmm. like, hey, how did you hear that? Oh, my friend did a tasting, yeah. or I did a tasting, or my friend did some virtual thing like a year ago. He had a bottle at his house, and I tried it, and, and I saw it on the back bar, and I ordered it. And like, that's going to be really cool. Like, that's yeah. where you're really going to like smile to yourself and be like, yeah, that was all worth it. Because mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, I shipped 20 samples out, and, and all of a sudden now I'm, I'm getting a reorder, and a, I'm one of 800 bottles. And because of that guy's friend, he saw it, he ordered it. Mm-hmm. And and that's where like the awareness is going to be really cool to see. I, I think there's dividends still to be paid from, from all that effort because point. even if you watch, I mean, Sagamore, Star Wars, some other brands that I know have been active, you start watching in the comments on different posts. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I love their stuff or I've had their stuff. And you used to be like, who, <laughs> what, or no comments. And now it's like, oh, I've never had that one, but I have the other four. Like, oh, yeah. where'd you get that? I need to get it. And, there's a lot of good chatter, so I'm hoping as the world opens up again, that'll translate into trial in you know into the into mm-hmm. the on-premise scene where they see it on a list and they're like, oh yeah, that's that, the one I haven't had yet. Yep. I'll order it. Where we never would have gotten to that point before COVID because they're just going to order one of their top five go-tos because that's all they've ever done. And there's a neon sign, and then there's <laughs> a, a table tent. It's like, yeah, I'll just have you know whatever big brand. Yeah. Um. So I I think there's a lot. I think we'll, our hard work will be rewarded 
tenfold over the as the world opens back up. Yeah, there's like a lot of brotherhood and community, sisterhood, um, whatever term you want to use for it, built between our brands that way. Like just the networking between the smaller guys and even bigger guys too. But it was really nice to like push each other's brands out there for mm-hmm. each other. Like, oh, if you had this one or we're doing a tasting with like four or five brands. We do, I don't know how many we do with our podcast, with like multiple brands, just do virtual tastings and hang out. And then you see the payoff this week at, World, at Whiskey Riot. Someone came up to me and was like, have you had that tequila washed whiskey? I'm like... That seems very strange, but no, I don't think so. They're like, oh, it's right behind you over there. It starts with an S. I'm like, oh, do you mean the tequila finish of Sagamore? And they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the one. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's a really great whiskey. And then someone comes over and I'm like, oh, that table told me to come over here. So it, that's yeah. still there, that, yeah. that, that um, community we built through there and the friends that we have. So and It was like it was one of the things that like you couldn't get before, which was really fun last night. Like you said, we walked in this bar last night, and it was, you know, it was uh, – pretty laid back bar you know mm-hmm. it wasn't like ultra premium but kind of my place is the night goes on you know and uh walked in the guy was just staring at me when i came through the door like like this weird stare and he's like and i realized he's staring at sagmore rye on my jacket uh-huh. and he's just like and he's like wait a second he the guy next to him he who he didn't know wanted an old-fashioned and he's like if you get an old-fashioned you got to make it with rye and he goes get it with that make it with that bottle over there with the big <laughs> word rye on the front and then so i like i literally he's like we just literally made a old-fashioned with your rye and i was like that's incredible i'm brian by the way you know, <laughs> nice to meet you and like and then like he's like i've been to the distillery in baltimore it's just oh. like i'm sitting here in this bar on a monday night in chicago like you know and like next thing you know i'm talking to these guys yeah. they're brothers in town from philly and he's you know it's just like ah oh, this is fun yeah no it pays <laughs> off that way it's such a, like an honor it feels you just feel special about that it, yeah it, oh, our work's actually coming to fruition and we're doing it and you know it's those small little victories you just yeah. take with you each and every day especially for i mean we're we are definitely <laughs> d- defined as small brands, right? Yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. like it's just like, and it's just like, oh my god, walk into a bar in Chicago and someone knows the name. Yeah, like it's like, this is working. Yeah, no, I had a bartender <laughs> friend text me this last night. He's like, hey, uh, I just basically poured out a whole bottle of of Star Wars tonight because a guy walked in asking for McAllen and we were out, and so I turned him on the Star Wars, and he was actually from Melbourne, and he was, <laughs> yeah, he's like. I can't believe this is actually sold here in the United States. And then him and his two friends, like, I just want to dr- buy drinks for my friend of my hometown distillery. That's amazing. Yeah. And like living in Chicago and you're like, dude, like huge respect. Like you gotta tear up with those things where you're like, you see your brands actually evolving and not just spreading between your friends or people who know you or people who know about the brand already. It's people who are coming from all across the world and sitting down at a bar in Chicago yeah. and having a drink together. Yeah. And the, again, that those relationships and those networks that you mentioned in the hospitality industry, like, I'm so happy for them, and I'm I'm so impressed with how resilient everybody was to to withstand what they did, and it's just good to see them back at it and yeah. doing what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely, helping us build our brands too. Oh, we try, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, so we have a few, well, a couple of whiskey singing in front of us too. Yeah, right as tradition has it, we have a new release. Somehow we no. end up uh, recording a podcast <laughs> in on my Cuba basement. Lake. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we have two things that are out. Um, our bottled and bond, which Brian could talk about, hit some. Shelves here, limited, very limited. Just okay. last fall, I want to say October, November, November ish. Twelfth. Is that when you were last year? No, I don't think. Oh, I don't I know. I don't know when I was here last. I don't know. Maybe the fall. Yeah, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> um, and then our newest release, which will hit shelves in Chicago here probably sometime next month or later this month, um, our rum finish. Nice. So, what was the importance? We see bottle and bond a lot now. Obviously, it has a lot to do with in not just whiskey history in the United States, but history in the United States in general. But what did it mean for you guys to put a bottle and bond? Uh, you know, for us, it, it, it was a major milestone for the, for the brand. And so, um, you know, we've always been transparent about this, but when we got started, you know, Maryland has a great history of distilling rye whiskey. And so we wanted to go around and say, hey, did you know Maryland has this history of, <laughs> of making great rye whiskey, Maryland-style rye? Uh, here's my vodka in the meantime. So we, we, we decided that we would contract to still with MGP. Um, so, uh, obviously pretty common practice. So, um, versus four years of building a distillery, four plus years of aging whiskey, nine years later, collect your first dollar. Mm-hmm. It was just like, that's not a good business plan. So we were lucky to team up with Larry Eversold in the beginning. Um, Godfather of Rye Whiskey and Master Distiller at MGP for a long, long, long time. And, uh, you know, so we started contract distilling with them, got started, Sagmore's five years old, but our our distillery's only been around for about four and a half, five, almost five years now. Mm. So actually, it's five years. 
this month, uh, oh, last month, actually. Like, Is it today? Yeah, wow. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Jeez, so, yeah. um, uh, so, you know, what better way, though, to, to kind of say, like, you know, we always told people we will be distilling our own whiskey and eventually we'll switch over to 100% distilled and aged in Maryland. Yeah. Um, but that takes time. And so by releasing our bottled and bond, uh, this is our first ever 100% distilled, 100% aged product from Maryland, you know. Um, so it's kind of our stake in the ground, you know, our commitment to what we're doing. Um, and, uh, and we're well on our way. And so now pretty much almost all of our products have at least 20% of our juice in them now. Okay. So if you start looking at the back of the label, you'll start noticing some 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 terms changing and some definitions changing. Um, and we actually had to drop the word straight on the front. We had to go back to American uh, whiskey, uh, American rye whiskey, because you know when you blend two straight rye whiskeys from two different states, I can't say it's straight anymore, even right. though it's straight rye whiskey. So um, so there's a little like Easter eggs on the kind of these bottles now. If you look for them. Um, and it's really exciting. And over the next couple of years, it'll eventually every product will become 100% Maryland aged, Maryland distilled um, products. And, and but what we've noticed is like we have a lot of products that are now upwards of seven and eight years old. Mm. Um, so we we could start putting out 100% Maryland made whiskey, but it'll all be four or five years old basically. And we all know whiskey tastes really good between like yeah. four and eight. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really cool to see the evolution of the distillery in that sense. But yeah, make it like truly your own. And I guess and. Um, as I pass out some glasses to Brett. Um, so yeah, you know, it's one of those things where um, I think no better way to kind of, kind of, put your stake in the ground and mark your commitment to to becoming 100 percent your own juice. Yeah, I always wonder too when people are putting out like bottle and bonds if there's any significance behind it. Even our distillery was like, we're gonna put out a hundred proof uh, version of our whiskey, usually around like 80 percent, mm-hmm. and like a nod to bottle and bond. I'm like, well, what's what's the point of that? Because the history with bottled and bond in America is so deep and vast. There's reasons why we have it. There's there's laws built around it. We basically built our you know Food and Drug Administration Act around it. Yeah. It was to maintain the distillery's uh, you know core belief in distilling whiskey, not having these rectifiers out there ruining ruining yeah. their labels. It's something that's built into the foundation of America, not just a, a term about it. So when you can actually take you know something from you guys, we were doing MGP what it's actually physically your own everything about it it's an important important milestone it seems like yeah it is and you know people always want to know when is it going to be yours um and so (laughs) it's just kind of like they said i love your product but like when's it going to be yours and like and we get that you know and it's like and it's it's kind of crazy it's like i've been at it now for eight years um almost nine and it's like one of these things i thought i'd be so anxious to just say switch it all over to ours yeah but like after nine years you're like what's two more Mm-hmm. to get it really done right you know right. and that's the most important thing we want to get it done right and that does take time um but in the meantime we're really happy with the way it's 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 going and pro- progressing and aging so we felt the bottled and bond was a good release and like you said like the original consumer protection like yeah. act like you know kind of thing and, and so um yeah we're super excited about it and we'll have another release again in november cool so this kind of will become an annual thing um you know the first one was obviously four this year we'd like to th- think it'll be five mm. um and w- you know things never quite always go the way you intend but like <laughs> you know we think we'd like to get this up to be about six seven year old product and then just make it an annual release and then uh go wider and deeper with it like it's a very limited release right now just because if we release it all then it's hard to put age on it right, <laughs> right and so right. we're trying to hold back that stock get a little bit more age on it um so look for it again in november do you think will mgp be a component of the distillery for a long time or we got about two years left with them okay we haven't we haven't contracted still with them since 2016 okay um and um we've actually even sold off some of the stock to other distilleries um so uh we're we're, oh, we're very committed you know we got a, a um 40 foot column still we got nine sixty five hundred gallon fermenters uh, so we're ready to make some whiskey. <laughs> I mean, pump up some volume, yeah, definitely. We've got uh, three barrel warehouses that can hold over sixty-three thousand barrels. So um, we're committed, definitely. <laughs> I've only seen pictures. Someday we'll get out there, Brett. Right? One of these days. Yeah. One of these days for sure. No, and it's so funny with MGP, like how people like, oh, I want MGP stock, or like, or it's like, no, I won't drink anything that's MGP. Like with another label on the front of it. Like, it's such a controversial topic. You know, we had a club on that or not a club we had a brand on that had an mgp barrel and yeah the club backed out because it wasn't distilled in uh indiana it was a 
contracted through MGP at Bardstown, you know, all the technicalities <laughs> of everything. It, it's funny how these controversies just appear. It makes you kind of think, too, you know, how much of this was just people being at home for two years? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And like having too much time to drink whiskey, think about whiskey, research into whiskey, reading the brands, which I'm all for. Like definitely, like find out the history of whiskey because it'll tell you the the history of America, um, right there for you. And it's it's deep, fast, and very significant, and really entertaining too. But at the same time, like there's distilleries out there, like you said, trying to begin. This is this is a yeah. more profitable way. It's more, it, it's maybe not your own collectively at the very beginning, but now it's evolving into it, and that's special too. Yeah. Like, yeah, nothing to take away from it. It's a brutal business to get started. There's just so many hurdles and everything. So you know, like I said, we we weren't going to make anything other than rye whiskey, and so it just didn't make sense to do anything other than contract distill. And they make great whiskey, right? You know, people won't deny that. But we did launch in 2016 at this time, right around another brand was getting dragged through the mud, mm-hmm. and then it kind of MGP seemed to go down with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. And so we were walking, we we're like, "Hey, Zagmore, like, do you make this?" I'm like. Uh, well, we contract still with MGP, but we have a distillery where, which will eventually be ours. And they're like, get this swill out of here, you know, kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Like they just people hated. I was like, MGP didn't do anything, and no. then like, and then like you see all of a sudden like it flipped, like you said mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, where people are like, I love MGP rye. <laughs> well, I think and how many of those people that would said that I won't drink it because it's MGP knew what MGP no. was a year before that. Like, <laughs> yeah, before that whole controversy uh, took off, but it was actually something that put the you know the microscope under this industry and made people be more transparent about what they're doing and where they're getting their whiskey yeah i mean it was a slight step back for a lot of steps forward for yeah. sure and um and that's one thing that you know i'm always proud of people always say you sagmore has been very transparent mm-hmm. about your your relationship with mgp and that means a lot to us yeah because we we we'll answer any question you have we're not hiding anything it's a tough enough business as is we have no secrets you know and the funny thing is like people at the end of the day like to make their own like thumbprint on stuff yeah even what we're doing no one's gonna be like do exactly what they're doing like no nobody wants to do that right right? you know everybody wants to put their spin on it i think that's why we kind of get into it yeah i think in a way kind of bottle and bonds become that putting on the label just like following in line not having a necessary reason to do it but just know it's it's a milestone or it's somewhat yeah. of importance or it looks good in a bottle it might sell more bottles at the end of the day but yeah. does it actually have a story to go along with your distillery like does it relate to it is, right. there, is there a point of doing it right because i think so much of this industry now has become uh you know just being just being genuine with people like what it, what is your true intentions of making a distillery just selling whiskey out there and who are the people repping it for you too like can they understand that story and share it out to the people there in, in an appropriate manner yeah uh brett what uh, what about this bottle and bond is special to you i just think it's awesome that we're, we're it's like like ryan said it's a stake in our journey like, yeah. i mean he's nine years i'm just about to hit five and talking about you know, contract say, distilling yeah, yeah, and talking yeah. about it and seeing our, our still penny forever and 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 you know knowing it's going to be one day yeah one day we'll, we'll, we'll be there but in the meantime we're, we're doing doing this to actually now have it you know in a product like that's on shelves it, it, it went really quick but it it's also a nice like the one day's here and then obviously it'll eventually be 100 percent maryland and then five years from now we'll have a bunch of teammates who won't even remember the MGP piece of the business, right? right we'll have right. a bunch of new people on the streets selling and telling the story, but from their perspective, it's all came off of Penny and it was all made in Maryland. And it'd be like, God, the amount of time never, that was said, the New Testament. We're in yeah, the Old Testament. I never even thought of that yeah. before. Yeah, like yeah. someone's going to be eventually on our team be like, you guys used to use MGP and be like, I haven't gotten there yet, but that's an interesting point. That's really good so, point. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's, you know, the two things I've, I've talked about for five years is, is our, our distillate and then the Port Covington project, which is where we're located in the distillery. And mm-hmm. we were kind of the anchor property, but it's one of the largest urban redevelopment. Pro- I think the largest urban redevelopment program in, in the country right now. And, oh, really? um, I was just there in, in August or so. And, or I guess even after that, and now there's buildings that are up and I've shown a drawing of that thing a couple thousand times, probably yeah. of what's going to be there. And then you're standing there like, Holy shit whoa okay yeah, yeah, yeah like and and i'm going again in a couple of weeks and i'm sure they're even further advanced and so like the bottle and bond and, and that both are two things that to me just are progress and and, and a lot of pride our ops team is awesome yeah. uh, i mean they do some great work which we we get to see what the finishes which we'll get to the rum here in a minute but yeah it's just a lot of pride and just a lot of excitement of the yeah. next chapter mm-hmm. like and 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 then you'll see the same with Port Covington. Like, man, I've shown that <laughs> rendering so many times in so many general sales meetings and so many different things. And 
you know, in six months, I'm going to show a real picture. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like, I'm like, we, we do have a distillery in Australia, I promise. Like, yeah. it's it's going to be open one of these days to travel there and go <laughs> see it for your own. Like, now you can finally actually do it. Yeah, so it's it's really cool. It's it's a really great accomplishment. And and, and like I said, for me, it's a great source of pride. And, and it doesn't uh, hurt that the whiskey's really good as well. <laughs> it smells really nice. I haven't tried it yet, but it smells like candy apples. Yeah, notice a lot of that. I'm um, getting a lot of that candied apple and, and kind of cola notes yeah, um, yeah. as we increase in proof um, recently. Huh. I know that that one pick I helped sample, not pick, but uh, sample at Leo's. At Leo's. Yeah, it was like a lot of cola to it. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah, both of those. I think what was one of soda pop and one. Soda pop and I don't remember the other one. Cherry bomb. Those still available? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. go there and buy the Star Wars barrel pick too while you're there. Sure, <laughs> get a second more Star Wars combo yeah. there for you. Can't go wrong. No, no, not at all. Shop in the S section. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully we're both still up front. <laughs> yeah, so kind of getting on to the reserve series, we've tried. I mean, I don't know how many on the podcast. Quite a few. Yeah, I think all of them. Really? Well, except for maybe Port, because I don't think there was a podcast when the Port finish came out. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But how did that all start, and where is it evolving to right now? Yeah. You know, one of the things that we wanted to do was um, just kind of show the versatility of rye. I think, um, you know, we're probably a little bit biased, but we think it's a very versatile spirit in general. Um, And I think having the multiple mash bill blend that we do gives us a lot of added versatility to it so finishes just felt like a good fun place to play a little bit of innovation and really the team's just extremely thirsty for knowledge we're not going to tell you nobody at sagamore other than larry uh, Eversold has has been doing this for you know 30 years so we're just trying to learn as much as humanly possible so throw some whiskey in this barrel throw some whiskey in that barrel uh see what happens and i always tell everybody it's it's a good thing we don't sell tomatoes because like Worse comes worse. We don't like the way it tastes. Just put it back on the rack and just wait it out several more years, you know, like, um, and so, you know, we've had a lot of fun, um, with it and we're, we're kind of, um, you know, we do two releases a year. We'll do one in the fall, one in the spring. The spring release tends to be a little bit smaller than the fall release. Um, sometimes we'll have an added one that might be hyper local or something like that. Um, but gets us a chance to go out there and show kind of the fun ways we've done it. Um, you mentioned earlier the one fish, finishing extra Nejo tequila barrels, which I think a lot of people just thought, like, can that be a good idea? But, you know, you think about tequila, extra Nejo, and, like, a lot of this stuff's a very similar process. A lot of this, the tasting notes from an extra Nejo tequila are, can be very mm-hmm. similar to a rye. And so they're actually really complementary. Um, and then the port finish, which w- took home best rye in, in San Francisco, and then the cognac and the Calvados oh, yeah. and the Manhattan, which was really fun and interesting. You know, just a cocktail in a bottle, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, at 103 proof, yeah, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, but like, yeah, when they we first did that, I thought they were crazy. I was like, but go for it. Like mm-hmm. age and 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 uh cherry brandy barrels, age and bitter barrels and age and vermouth barrels, and then blend it together and make the complimentary notes of a Manhattan cocktail. And like I'll be damned if they didn't do a good job yeah, of it. But it's like tasty. it's just a lot of fun. Now where we want to go is will it always be a finish? No, I think we saw that last year with the eight year. Um and so and we'll continue to pr- progress towards that. Um we have a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline. You know, we're working with three different farms in Maryland, including our own farm, Sagamore Farm. Uh, so five different varietals of rye, mm. University of Maryland's involved, um, things along those lines. So we have a lot of interesting grain stories coming someday, um, local um, oak, local grain. Uh, so lots of good stuff in the pipeline down the road. Nice. And I like there, you know, you said yeah, there's purpose with some things, some using local products or whatever it might be, and just trying to see what sticks. I feel like finishing these days, we've had a lot of conversations on and off air about finishing, I think just in the whiskey industry lately, because it kind of feels like the NFL in a way, like there's a, the West coast offense is in trend for a while and then kind of goes back to more of a running based offense. And now it's completely spread it out and everyone's doing it. And then it has to make you evolve with like your defense. And then once everyone's doing it, it changes again. And does your personnel fit that offense? Can it fit into this scheme where people, I think, some distilleries are out there just doing finishes because it's available to them. There's not really a rhyme or reason behind right. it. Or is it, are you covering up inferior whiskey product that doesn't yeah. that great? Maybe it's young. It could go back on the racks. You said, like you said, for a couple more years and see how it ages and processes. But there also is that thing about making money. And yeah. you know, if you can put it into an export barrel for a few months, hide some inferior product, but add some sweetness back into the whiskey. 
to put it out there on the shelves. But like, does a bourbon need to be finished in a port barrel? It's already a sweet whiskey, you right? Know? It's by itself, right? Thinking about the complexities of what the what liquid you're putting into what barrels is super important versus just having a finish out there to sell on the shelves to be a part of um, a trend or be a part of what's already happening in the whiskey industry. I like what Sagamore does. How there's purpose behind each one. Seems like. Yeah, no, I think you nailed that. It's a great analogy with the NFL too, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like you said, going back to the rye, that, that Walter Payton behind us. Yeah, he's the, he's the inspiration. Oh uh, yeah, um, the um, you know those baking spices you get at rye really do work with because you think a lot about these finishing barrels, right? Yeah, uh, they do add these sweet notes, and so it can be complimentary. And our goal always though is I don't want our port finish to, to taste like a port necessarily. Mm-hmm. I want it to be. A rye whiskey with these complimentary notes yeah and so like always make sure the rye still shines and, and comes through and then how does it how do they work well together yeah and that's really the goal yeah i think a lot of places still like westward for example they make amazing you know the stout cast finish is fantastic and they're using local products from oregon you're using local beers it's all about the terroir still at the end of the day gets into their their ethos of distilling their ethos of barrel aging and then finishing about keeping it all oregon based area Whereas similar distilleries, you're like, yeah, hey, let's just see what happens when we throw some uh, some bourbon into this kind of barrel and see if it turns out all right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't care. But um, I think we talked about earlier, the clientele is so much more educated. You have you can't just like throw something out there and see if it sticks because other people are doing it. They want to know what what is behind the label. Why is this whiskey being finished in this barrel, or where is it starting at from the very beginning? Is this MGP? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. It challenges us as distilleries and also like as sales reps to be more on our game and kind of create their out there generating and evolving each and every way with purpose and not just uh, have an intent to you know hit some sales goals. Yeah, and I I think that's the the most exciting thing I've seen in the last two years. And and going back to actually the virtual thing, I will say. Um, I do think that gave people a lot of chance to learn more about whiskey. Yeah. Um, great podcasts like this, yeah. great whiskey tube channels like Mash and Drum or whatever it may be, or just joining a, a whiskey club. Um, and I like that. I love the fact that people are know more and more about it and can ask really interesting questions. And I like they'll challenge us too, yeah. which I think helps push us. Yeah, definitely. No, it, that was one of the great things coming out of this because you couldn't just BS anymore, like yeah. at a tasting, like, oh, I think it's this or that, you know, whatever, have like a tasting agency to do it or whoever, maybe somebody you're paying $12, $15 an hour. When you're sitting online with people who are also online, there's a computer right in front of them. They can Google anything, <laughs> you know, just that, that simple thing of simple technique of checking out like, well, is Barossa Valley really a, vi- a vineyard area in Australia? Like, for example, or like, where what is the history of, of rye in maryland like when you say there's this deep history there they yeah. can research it very quickly yeah. and you have to know some parts and some components of mm-hmm. it like i did for my job i started to research just australian history just because like someone might ask you a question about distilling <laughs> they might ask you about distilling in general but i'm like oh i can actually take you back to like the 1880s when it comes to distilling in australia and then walk you through that program all the way to the line of like where we are now and it shows there's there's like a path there's a pathway from where this all started why it's here why things are selling across the world like why you're doing a zoom in manila at 3 a.m or whatever time it might be there's <laughs> there's there's reasons behind it because people want to drink whiskey all over the world there's they do. there's two thousand plus distilleries in america i mean i don't know how many thousands of distilleries there are across the world and we have world whiskey categories we have countries that are now defining their whiskey by by uh by laws and regulations and brett and i've talked a lot and i'm sure you guys have too where there could be a regionality base of mm-hmm. whiskey um, being coming coming into America, branding it as you know the Northeast, other the South, where it can be uh, components of like you know how we have it in Scotland already, broken up in five different sections. I'm totally convinced that's on its way. Yeah, um, and you see, you know, you see it in the wine world. Yeah, um, you see it in the beer world, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, like uh, oh, that's West Coast or that's a New England or whatever it may be. And I do, I've seen it even just a like Empire Rye, uh, Maryland style rye, Monongahela. Yeah. Or Pennsylvania rye, uh, Virginia rye, uh, you know, even the guys that um, is it um, far north in Minnesota, mm-hmm. you know, things along those lines. It's like I think it's very cool. Yeah. And again, like you said, you're doing a tasting with five different brands. Like I'm all for like doing an event with five other ryes. Yeah. And like in each person, because people be like rye, rye. I'm like, no, it's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And like we can bring five different ryes to this event, hear about why each one's different, and then taste through them, and you'll walk away going like. 
wow, they are all totally different. Yeah. And I think that's what people like kind of geek out and enjoy too. You know, like I think that's the fun part of it, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And let place define your whiskey. Yeah. Like where you are it, and where you can be going to in the future with it all. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I I hope it does. And I I know you guys aren't making single malt. Or maybe you are secretly. I don't know. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, with those laws not being enacted with sing, American single malt, I almost think it's almost a better thing for them because they aren't defined by this uh, set core of of rules. They can define themselves based on regionality and yep. like how they where where are you getting your barrels from? Why are you using these barrels instead of just using a new virgin oak casts or whatever it might be? And Brett, you and I have talked extensively about this. Yeah, I this. can't believe American single came, malt came up on it. It wasn't me that brought yeah, it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's got to be a record. But I, I, I love the looseness of the definition. And, and yeah. you know, even talking to Paul, they wanted it to be very inclusive and, and, and very low barriers to entry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do worry if it's too vague, mm-hmm. you, you're asking a lot of the consumer to, to then decipher. So I hope quickly they get into regionalities or a sub definition or something to help guide. I mean, that's the problem with rum is rum is yeah. what's wrong. How do you trade up from captain Morgan to, to some awesome thing from plantation? Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. no one's going to connect those dots for the consumer. They never have. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it's an, next big thing out for my entire career. It's the next big thing. But I think that's part of the reason it's not because I've been, I've been in the industry yeah, 20 plus years. I stand in front of the rum section. I'm like, I'm not even sure what all of all these different things are and what's what. And, and, and I, I'm fascinated as we all know um, about the future of American single malts, but, right, I, but right. my one concern about it being so loosely defined, will that hamper its growth because people won't be able to piece it together yeah. and understand what's what. I think it's with some of these distilleries that are coming out here um, and putting a label on contract of whiskey, but there's no, there's nothing about the distillery themselves that there's, Distillery, I think it's called Kuiper Belt. They had an eight-year-old Kentucky bourbon, and there's nothing on the label about who this company is, where it's coming from. Awesome-looking bottle. Um, I just noticed the bottle. It was really, it smelled really great. I mean, it's eight-year-old bourbon. Like, should be great. Yeah. But who, who are you? Like, what, what is this? <laughs> like, where is it coming from? Why is this cool bottle? Like, custom bottle shape, awesome label, interesting name. Like, why, why is it out here? What are you doing with it? Is it just a way to make money, or is it? It's something that this company wants to build and evolve. Like, I don't think you're doing what Sagamore's doing with contracted whiskey, where you're actually having people out there promoting the brand, talking about the brand, explaining the history, explaining who you are, why you're doing this, and where it's going. Yeah, there's a lot of new, a lot of new names in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I'm not trying to talk yeah. smack about anybody. Like, it's just I think the ones that have a purpose and reason are the ones that are going to last. I do. People want to connect, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they want to get behind, like, what are your company's beliefs? What's important to Sagamore, right? Like, yeah. you know, and it's just like, and our, our values, which we stand on every day, are passion, respect, equity, and accountability. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and, it, you know, if that's something that, you know, sits well in your world, you know, and you like Rye, we're probably going to get along pretty well, you know? Right, and, like, right. it's kind of one of those things that I think they want to know who's behind it and what's your story and why are you, what is your purpose? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to have a purpose and don't tell me it's money. Right. Like, you know, like it's just like, um, and so, and that's one of the things that's incredibly important to us is like, you know, uh, Baltimore is a great city with it. A lot of people want to give it a black eye. It's an amazing city with amazing people. Yeah. And if we can just add one more reason for you to come visit this great city and discover that for yourself. Wonderful. And then, you know, we're adding, we'd like to play a role in the farming community. We've lost over 88 dairy farms in Maryland in the last 30 years. And so like, is there a way to, to backfill that? And, you know, and that's where we see the huge opportunity in uh, growing grain, and and it just happened to work well as a lot of the supply ch- supply chain like crumbled like that. We're like, well, this is nice. We don't have to drive twenty two miles up the road to our own yeah. silos to get <laughs> yeah. our grain today, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But it's like, and then we we actually grew a hundred percent of the um, non GMO corn on our farm this year for ourselves, and we grew more than we actually needed. So then we can turn around and sell it to other distilleries in Maryland at actually half the price we were paying for it. Wow. And so from a, a broker. And so like, can we pass some of the savings? It's everyone's taking it on the chin with rising costs. Like, can we help people and continue to grow that ag story out in Maryland? And so that's kind of like the big push for us now. It's kind of amazing to think that's what farmers and distillers were doing two, 300 years ago. Yeah. And now, even as we are more connected through technology, but we kind of seem like more distant at the same time in a way. Yeah. And we have more technologies to evolve our distilleries at a much quicker rate of speed yeah. we're kind of going back to those old school methods yeah and like and actually partnerships like i think that's something i think we're people you know 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I, be careful what I say there. But like, I think like you want to be like partnerships mean a lot and get behind someone, right? Yeah. Like you're in business long term, you know, support each other properly. Yeah. And like we look at the same as when we walk into any type of account to our relationship with our farmers. And like we thought it'd be so cool to get all this Maryland grown rye. And then we were like going around like, yeah, do you have rye? And there was like, no one grows rye in Maryland really anymore. If you do, it's a cover crop and we get it, you know, subsidy, but we have to till it in the earth. If we harvest it, we don't get any money. Uh, and it's one of the un only uninsurable crops out there. And so it's like, all right, well, what if we start buying the seed up front and, and like take that risk out of it and share that risk with you and you have no out-of-pocket expense and try mm -hmm. and just actually grow like a shared value program with these guys and start with one farm and now we're up to three farms, and we, we started with 50,000 pounds the first year, and now we're uh, over a million pounds of Maryland-grown rye this year that we harvested. And, and we bought the silos, and we pay them rent, and it's just like, yeah, like we're invested in you. Like right. I, I love those shirts that you see, like, you know, no farmers, no food, no farmers, yeah. no beer, no farmers, no whiskey, no farmers. Like, you know, like we still forget how important they are. It goes back to your unexplained love for Iowa football. America, yes. Amer America needs farmers. <laughs> totally. Yeah, wearing the decal on their helmet. Well, guys, I know we both have we all have busy days today, and you have more accounts to go see. Um, anything else we need to know about the Rumcast finish? Um, do you want to touch on it? At all? Yeah, I mean, this one's just just dropping right now. Um, again, Sagamore Reserve. Um, this year is our uh, the spring release is our rye whiskey finish and rum cask. It's five and six year old rye that we went and then finished in. Um, South American um, rum barrels and Jamaican rum barrels for an additional 10 months. We thought it'd be Sweet. fun to use because we like to blend two straight ryes. Like, be fun to take two different rums. And so, obviously, not doing anything here that other people haven't done. And we had a small release at the distillery once that we really liked. And so, but uh, again, 98 proof, beautiful whiskey, um, really nice finish. Uh, I think hopefully you'll find that, you know, again, the rye shines with some really nice complimentary tropical notes. Oh, beautiful. Awesome. Brett, anything else to add? No. Thanks for having us. Hey, looking, you know what? Looking forward to seeing you on a, a bar stool soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, get out there and support your local bars and restaurants. You know, they need it right now, still in this time. So if you can, go out there, find them, buy some Sagamore, drink some Sagamore, and maybe have an old-fashioned with it. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. go well, try that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Brian, Brett, appreciate it. Thanks for uh, coming on once again. Um, Brett, it's always great to have you in the basement. Brian, welcome to the basement. Thanks for having Wonderful. me. Wonderful. Thanks for having us. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. Um, go out there, support Sagamore and all your other local brands out there in America. And uh, you know what? Have a good day, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Have a yeah. great day. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.